Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. I'm your host, Adele Sage, joined as always by my co host, Angelina Jenis. Hi, Angelina. Hey, Adele. We are also joined today by a fantastic repeat guest. We have Gina Bawalker, who's one of the analysts on the customer experience research team. And we've invited her here because we're doing a bit of a mini series, right, Angelina? That's what we're calling it a mini series. Yeah, we're going to do the mini thing a little bit more, tie things together. So we had, if you guys remember from a couple of episodes ago, we had Katie Tynan on and she was talking about her report, The Business of Belonging. And that was looking at companies, diversity and inclusion efforts that are focused on their employees. And one of the predictions that Forrester has made about 2021 is that the diversity and inclusion efforts will be most effective if they are also pointed outwards towards customers. And Gina is actually working on some of that research now. So we invited her to share more about some of those findings. So welcome, Gina. Hi, great. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. So Gina, can you just start out by telling us more about what this research is that you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So I and several analysts at Forrester, including Katie, who you've had on the podcast before, we've been really excited about doing more research into this topic of product inclusion, really because what we saw in 2020, and Katie talked about this at length, is more and more organizations are beginning to factor diversity and inclusion into things like their external brand statements, their employee experience, their hiring practices. But what we did not see happen in 2020 at most organizations is a reflection of those commitments in the customer experience that the company is putting out into the world. And that's a miss because you could argue that's where the biggest business opportunity lies in the products and services that are being delivered to your customers. So what we got really excited about and what prompted this research is thinking about what does that actually look like? Because we've had this hypothesis that the reason this isn't happening today is there's not really a clear blueprint for how to reflect diversity and inclusion in CX. There's clear blueprints out there for things like how to apply experience design best practices to create great CX. But even those methodologies often don't account for how do you make sure you're applying a lens of inclusion along the way. That's what we got really excited about. That's what prompted this research. And that's what I'm digging into now is is actually starting to identify what are some of those specific practices? What does it mean to apply a lens of inclusion within CX? If I use design thinking as a process for improving experiences, does that just mean that at the exploratory phase of any project, I can just say, okay, how do we factor in diversity into all of this? Is it as simple as that? Or are there checks along the way? That's a great question, Angelina. And I would say it's not as simple as that, but that is often where companies kind of start to dip their toe in the water. So for example, I speak with many organizations who are working on broadening who they recruit to participate in customer research. And that could be upfront exploratory interviews, like you're mentioning, Angelina, that might also be when we do usability tests. Let's make sure that we're bringing in people of different abilities because we know people with disabilities use certain technologies that may not work well with the solution. And we can uncover that through our usability testing studies. So that's a good place to start. 
And I would definitely applaud companies that, that are thinking about that. But the answer to your question is no, it's not enough. Because when we've started to study the companies that are really getting this right, what they're doing differently is they're making sure that diverse perspectives are in the room at every point within the product development process, not just when they're doing customer research. I can give you one example of what I mean by that. So Google just published a book recently called Building for Everyone, and it really gives organizations a look into how the product inclusion group at Google supports the company in applying some of these practices that we're going to be talking about today. And what Google did is they basically looked at their product development process and said, okay, where can inclusive thinking and practices have the most positive impact? And they identified four specific points where they were going to focus on bringing diverse perspectives in. It was during the ideation phase to make sure that they actually understand the differences that they need to design for during UX research and design. So for example, bringing in diverse perspectives to design sprints when early concepts are being created, usability testing, and then also marketing campaigns. So the lesson any company could take from Google is you need to look at your whole design process end to end and say, where are those different junctures where we need to ensure that we're bringing people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different abilities into the room? So we're not leaving out customers who reflect or are part of those groups. So really starting with research is a good place but it's about having multiple checkpoints along the way so that you avoid unintentionally excluding populations of your customers. So that makes sense. So if it applies across the design process, does it also apply across all products? Like, is this something that is then universal? I would say for the most part, yes. Now, there are maybe some exceptions. For example, organizations will sometimes create products specifically aimed at helping a particular group of customers, including an underrepresented group of customers. For example, I often use this case of Monzo. They're a challenger bank out of the UK. They created a feature specifically to help people with gambling addictions. I talk to a lot of healthcare companies who are creating products specifically for seniors who are learning about the benefits that they have through Medicare. In those cases, of course, you're not going to strive to bring in individuals that represent every dimension of diversity. If you're designing a product for seniors, you're going to bring in seniors. You're not going to bring in millennials and Gen Z and, and other groups that would give you a diversity in terms of age. But for the most part, <laughs> um, with the products that companies are putting out in the world, yes, the goal is to build those inclusive practices in to the processes, the systems that you have in place within your company so that for every product, this is a key consideration within the software development process. And that being said, though, this work is hard. Um, I know Katie talk, talks about this a lot too when she talks about diversity and inclusion work. This is not easy work. And this is not like we can flip a switch and overnight our company is going to care about inclusive product design and is going to know exactly what needs to happen in order to make this work. So there is an element of prioritization and also just starting somewhere, focusing on your most critical products and maybe within those, your most critical task flow 
follows and ask yourself, how can we improve this experience to ensure that we're reaching all of our customers? Well, in parallel, also working on just defining the practices that will help make sure that all new products, new services that your company is creating apply an inclusive lens from the start. So I'm seeing some measurement of success that you could do short term, which is how many projects are we including this thinking on and how big is their impact? How important are they to the business? Any other early on success indicators we could look at? This is a great question, Angelina. There's different metrics that you can think about in terms of gauging success. So one example would be, have you successfully been able to tap into new markets by including more diverse perspectives in your design process? Other examples are actually cost savings, particularly over the last year. We've seen many organizations wanting to curb spending, reduce unnecessary inefficiencies in their development practices. For example, one of the companies, Angelina and I have have done some research on actually is VMware. VMware has been very focused on kind of the ability dimension of diversity, making sure that their products are accessible to people with disabilities. And they found that by focusing on accessibility within their design process, specifically embedding accessibility in their design system, that they were able to eliminate defects pretty substantially. They were able to reduce 30% of the accessibility defects they were seeing, which obviously translates into a direct cost savings in terms of hours spent by engineers working on these products. So There's a lot of different ways to measure success based on what goals your organization has and what's going to resonate most with the leadership in your company. So if you have hundreds of products, how do you actually scale this and integrate it across the company? Yeah, this is like a key challenge that you're hitting on, Adele. But the good news is there are some things that a CX leader listening to this can begin doing right away to scale portions of this process. I'll give you a few examples. One, and I I alluded to this concept with the VMware example a moment ago, is design systems. Get to know the team that is working on your design system. If you're not familiar with what a design system is, it's basically a shared set of principles, standards, guidelines, reusable components that are applied across all of the digital experiences that a company is creating. Reason why that is an important point at which to integrate an inclusive lens is these design systems will often include things like content guidelines. How do we talk to our customers? What are words that we never use? Because we know that that's going to exclude or offend certain customers that we're trying to reach. And so making sure that inclusion is being thought about in the context of those guidelines that are being developed is really important. And then also things like making sure that all of your design assets and reusable coded component libraries that are in these systems meet accessibility guidelines. That's a really great way to start scaling as it pertains to the ability-related dimension of diversity. So that's one example of something you can do. Another way to start scaling is just to get teams asking more questions about the products they're putting out in the world. For example, I interviewed an organization. It was a a chief accessibility officer, and she created a set of questions for design teams to ask in critiques to get them thinking about who their solution could potentially be excluding. These included questions like, what will this design you're creating sound like if it's read by a screen reader? 
which is a tool used by people who are blind. Is it still going to be a good experience? Or will a non-native English speaker understand that phrase? If not, we're excluding people with certain language-related differences. And so just getting people in the habit of asking and answering these questions can be a really effective way to begin to scale these practices. Other examples are most organizations have employee resource groups established, groups that are specifically created to support women, to support employees uh, of color, to support employees with disabilities, etc. And what we find is that smart organizations are tapping into these groups and really, you know, engaging them as partners in the product design process. That doesn't require budget. This doesn't require budget to go out and recruit a bunch of customers for research. It's about bringing employees who can help you understand those specific customer segments because they're in those segments. They have that lived experience, recruiting them into the design process and making them part of your team that can be a really impactful way to just start to get more voices in the room. So these are things that I would suggest doing right away to begin scaling some of these practices. And that's a nice yin and yang with what Katie was talking about, where you have to have diverse employees so that they can develop products that match your diverse customer base. So we've kind of come back around to that connection again in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And if you find yourself in an organization where maybe you don't have, maybe your organization is not very diverse as it stands today, and that's a that's a goal your company has. There's other ways to think about this too. For example, I interviewed a European bank who had formed really strong partnerships with different nonprofit organizations in their community. So for example, they partnered with a, a group that served individuals who are blind. And they asked them, how can you help us create better mobile and web experiences for people with disabilities? And so what they did is they set up like a quarterly workshop where they would bring members of this organization in to review their digital product strategy and share with them what features they were working on and really have these members help them think about, okay, well, when someone who's blind is using a feature like that, what are some of the things that have to be considered? What are some of the challenges that they have with features like that as they stand today? And so really tapping into the power of their communities as well and bringing those voices into the product design process. So there's different ways that you can go about this, whether it's using those internal employee groups or partnering with local organizations. The key, again, is making sure that you have people from these underrepresented segments involved in the process at these different junctures. So, Gina, we know that it's so important to have leadership be visible and verbal about the importance of diversity and inclusion. And so while we are taking grassroots efforts to change how we work and what we produce, what should we be asking of leadership? I would think about it very similar as how do you convince leaders in different areas of the organization about the value of focusing on customer experience? The way you're going to approach that conversation is going to be very different if you're talking to the CIO versus the head of compliance. There's multiple answers, and it's about understanding what's going to really resonate with each leader, what goals and pressures are are they facing. 
I'll give you a few examples. These are the, the approaches that I hear about most commonly. Fear, unfortunately or fortunately, can be a really great motivator. For example, when it comes to prioritizing, making sure our products are useful for people with disabilities, the most common approach is to appeal to fear and, and to bring forward data like the fact that there were 3,500 lawsuits last year related to web accessibility, according to this annual study that's done by UsableNet. And we are also at risk of getting sued if we don't consider this segment of customers early on and when we're designing products and experiences. So that's, you know, an argument that's really going to resonate particularly with your chief legal or chief compliance officer. On the other hand, other people are motivated by greed, for lack of a better word, tapping into new markets that our competitors aren't serving well today, getting that competitive advantage. So speaking to some of those benefits can be really impactful as well. And then there's also organizations where this whole idea of developing inclusive customer experiences is completely in line with their mission. And so helping leaders understand and then evangelize how this is just part of aligning with our mission, that can be a very impactful approach. Take a company like Fidelity, for example, where part of their mission is make financial expertise broadly accessible. Well, they have accessibility right there in their, their mission. It's very easy for them to make an argument that that aligns. Similarly, with Capital One, they're about bringing humanity to banking. Okay, well, if you're not considering all of humanity and what makes humans different, then you're not really bringing humanity to banking. So it's easy for them to tie that into their mission. Those are just a few examples. I also gave the VMware example earlier. That's the sort of argument that will appeal to a CIO. Hey, if we think about these things early, it's going to help us avoid having to do costly remediation to our products down the line when we realize there's a bunch of issues that are preventing customers from using our products effectively. So I think it's about identifying that right argument based on the executive you're trying to convince and then really making sure that their voice is prominent in the organization and that they're helping trickle that down through their organization on why this is important and how it's going to help us achieve our objectives as an IT department or a digital department or whatever the case may be. Well, Gina's research continues to roll out. So keep an eye out for what she's already done on Forrester.com and what she's doing. I was just going to ask Gina, do you know when this report's going to come out for everybody? There's a couple of reports in progress related to this topic, and both of them will, will come out in the first half of this year. One is going to speak broadly to the topic we've discussed today about how you reflect your commitment to diversity and inclusion within your customer experience. And then a more specific report that will likely come out first related to accessibility. So thinking about that ability-based mention of diversity and, and what practices need to be established to serve people with disabilities effectively. So two reports coming. We're still early in the research. So if anyone listening to the podcast has thoughts on this topic, has been working on this within your organization, and would like to share some of your tips and techniques and tricks, I would love to hear about them. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn and reach out if that is the case. Or you can write to us at cxcast at forester.com. That was Gina Bowalker. She joined Adele Sage and I on this episode of the CX Cast. Gina, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And we will rejoin again next week to continue with all things CX, EX, culture, diversity, inclusion, you name it. We're going to make the world a better place. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.